Amen. You may be seated. And if you have a copy of God's Word tonight, I'd like to ask you to open it with me to the book of Ezra. And we're going to pick up where we left off in the book of Ezra, in Ezra chapter number 4. Ezra chapter number 4. And I trust the Lord will speak to us tonight. The the book of Ezra is a book of revival. And uh, it, it is a book that speaks about the work of God and the children of Israel. After they had gone cold, after they had gone uh, a, a little bit faint in what God was doing in their life, it is a book where you see the fire once again poured into them. You see that zeal sparked afresh and anew in them. And uh, I think if you, if you have a key verse, you can, you can look at Ezra chapter 9 and verse number 8. And now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God, to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in His holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. And uh, we need that, don't we? Constantly in the Christian life, we need that fresh reviving, that fresh stirring uh, amidst the bondage that we face. And so I, I hope as we look at Ezra, we'll see that. And, and we, we, the book of Ezra begins in the year 536 B.C. And what, what's happening here is the children of Israel have been in captivity for over 70 years. And now God has taken the children of Israel and through His providence, through His power, He, he works in a heathen king's heart. And He says to this, in this king's life, He says, let these people, let my people return to Jerusalem. And so this heathen king Cyrus in chapter number 1, the Bible says it's stirred in his spirit. He gets a little excited about something. And he sends the children of Israel back to Jerusalem. Chapter number 2, we see uh, that that remnant that is going to return. Over 40,000 people who are in the city of Babylon, who are in the Babylonian captivity, who say, I want to go back and do the things of God. I don't want to live in the world any longer. I don't want to live amidst this wicked nation any longer. I don't want to live in bondage or captivity anymore. I'm going back to the things of God. And you see these people who, who, who do that. Ezra chapter 2, it gives a list of, of these people. And then Ezra chapter 3, we see they come to Jerusalem. These people, they've traveled for four months. They come to Jerusalem. And the very first thing they do upon returning to Jerusalem is they return to worship. They set up the altar of God. They offer sacrifice to God. And they worship Him once again. Worship is restored. What a, what a picture, right? Uh, that's a beautiful picture of what revival is. You recognize you're in captivity. You are delivered from captivity. You go back and the very first thing you do is you worship God. And then we come to chapter number 4. And in Ezra chapter number 4, we see all the excitement of revival in some way come to where, where the rubber meets the road, if you will. It comes to an end because we find that the enemy is still present. Notice what it says in Ezra chapter 4, verse number 1. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel. Then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do. 
And we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esarhaddon. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chiefs of the fathers of Israel said unto them, You have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. Verse number 4, Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, wrote they unto him an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. Go down with me to verse number 23. Now, when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai the scribe and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem unto the Jews and made them to cease by force and power. Notice this, verse number 24. Then ceased the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. This is, this is our text for this evening. Ezra chapter number 4. Let, let's just pray. Let's pray that the Lord would speak to us through these words. That the Lord would still our hearts. And that the Lord would give us the ability to focus on His word tonight. Father, we come before Thee this evening in need to hear from Thee. And Lord, tonight I ask that Thou wouldst truly meet with us, that Thy power and Thy presence and Thy Spirit be amidst, amidst these walls speaking to us tonight. Lord, I ask that Thou remove distractions tonight. Anything that is drawing our hearts and ears and minds from Thee, Lord, focus. Wouldst Thou deal with us in a mighty way, Lord? Speak to us tonight. We trust Thee. We cannot do this on our own. We cannot understand Thy Word with our own mind and our own intellect. Lord, and so we need Thy Spirit to speak to us now, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen. Ezra chapter 4. You see this, this, this picture of how things seem to be going well. Things seem to be going forward. Things seem to be all going in, in, in the right way. But in Ezra chapter 4, in verse number 1, it says this, that the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin came. They came to Zerubbabel. Think of that. And I, I, I want to be very simple tonight. I, I don't think that I have anything uh, particularly new or particularly life-shattering tonight to share with you. I do want to point out some things in this passage that you see here. First and foremost, there is an enemy. You think, well, obviously there's an enemy. But there is a very real enemy that the children of Israel were facing. And I know it seems basic, but notice this. We could ask the question, had not they just left their enemy in Babylon? Had not the, the captivity and the hardship that they were facing been left behind in Babylon? And now they come to Jerusalem, right? And now they come to their home. And now we find once again the, 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 the enemy. 
We could ask the question, had, had not the Lord just providentially through His sovereignty and His power and being the, the great King of King of Lord of Lords, hadn't He just been the one to bring them back to Jerusalem? Now why is there an enemy here? You could even ask this, they had just been worshiping God. They had just been giving their heart and pouring their souls out to God. Why would the enemy come now? It seems like a, 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 the worst time or the, the most... Why, why would the enemy come now? Why amidst all that had happened, God had just delivered them from their enemy. God had just proven His power. God had just been worshipped. Why now has the enemy come? And I think it's very obvious that, that we could say it very simply that the enemy is always lurking about. The truth is though, we don't live that way, do we? We know, we know that we face an enemy. But we think that every now and then when we conquer the enemy, when we leave Babylon behind, that everything's going to be okay. We think that just because we've come to church and worship, that maybe we'll go out the doors tonight and everything will be okay. We think that because we're, we're right in the center of God's will, as we like to say sometimes, that everything is going to be safe. Can I tell you that's not true? That the enemy, as the Scriptures tell us, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The enemy is always present. The enemy is always seeking to destroy. And the children of Israel are confronted with that. They thought they had left their enemy behind, but as they returned to Jerusalem, and as they're seeking to, to restore worship to God, the enemy again, the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin, again come to attack. Do you recognize that the enemy is coming in your life? Do you recognize that, that though you're here tonight, chances are, even while you're here, the enemy is going to attack you? The distractions, the little butterfly, the little moth fluttering about. I've watched us. I wa my, my own eyes were drawn to it. Your eyes were drawn to it. Why? Because the enemy walketh about seeking to take your mind and distract it from the things of God. We have an enemy. And we don't live like it. I, I, I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that for some reason, we, we think in our 21st century and in, a, in our Christendom, because we wear suits and because we have this nice chapel with fancy chandeliers, that the enemy's not going to get us. But he's coming for you. He's coming for you. The enemy will attack more than in one place. The enemy is just as a close abroad as he is at home. The enemy is coming you and for you amidst your greatest victories. We could say it this way that we could we could all of life is war. Every part of your life is war. We need to start living like that. We need to start living like the, the reality amidst the reality that Satan is coming to destroy our lives. When when you drive in to church in the evening, the enemy is seeking whom he may devour. When you sit in the pews tonight and you listen to the Word of God, the enemy is seeking to destroy your soul. When you leave, Satan is coming for you. Know that. Live like it. Stop ignoring it. I, and I know we are uh, 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 ignoring it because 
how lightly our generation takes the, the wickedness of this world. We, we have the wickedness on our phones. Satan is attacking the minds of our children through the phones that, that we hold. At times, in, in, the, in the restaurant, we think, oh, what am I going to do? My, my child is being annoyed, and we hand him the phone. And whatever he wants to watch, whatever she wants to watch, as long as it keeps them quiet, the enemy is seeking to devour the souls of our children. We go home and we don't know what to do with our evening, and so we flip on the telly. And through the telly, guess what? The enemy is coming to destroy you. We, we think, oh, well, I need to read the news. I need to know what's going around. See, the reality is the enemy, Satan, the adversary, is walking about seeking whom he may devour. Our Pastor Sexton used to say that he would walk by the door of your heart a thousand times to find that door cracked just once. Just once where he might be able to slip in and destroy you. You think of how, how Satan seeks to destroy and, and the truth is, it's, it's, it's a bit frustrating at times how lightly we treat the enemy. That we so easily welcome him into our lives. We don't battle. We, we live in a generation of Christians whose goal is not to be like Christ. Whose goal is to see how close to the world can I be. How, how close can I be to the world before it's sin? We, we ask those questions. Well, is it really sin? Is it okay? But the truth is, is we aren't striving. We are not battling. We are not at war. We don't act like we are, we are fighting a real enemy. But the reality is, is there is an enemy. And I want to encourage you to start living like it. Start acting like it. Start being a bit more aware. The, the Scriptures tell us that we are to watch, right? Watch. Be alert of the fact that there is an enemy seeking to dest- destroy you. It's in the books you read. It's in the news you read. It's in your workplace. It's in your friends. Any way that Satan can destroy you, he will. Notice secondly, not only is there an enemy, but notice secondly, verse number 4. Let's read it. Verse number 1, pardon. Let's read it again there. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity built the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, notice this. Then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do. And we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Asher, which brought us up hither. First thing is this, there is an enemy. The second thing is this, the enemy wants to be your friend. The enemy wants to be your friend. We think of Satan as that roaring lion, don't we? We think that Satan is, is going to come to our house with his sword drawn, ready to destroy. But can I tell you, sometimes I don't think we realize this. We think of him as a roaring lion, but I think he comes to many of us as a cuddly cub. He comes as a, as a, as a cute little cat, wanting to, to dwell with us, wanting to be as close to us as he possibly can, wanting to get into your life to destroy your home, to destroy your family, to destroy everything that you have. Satan does walk about as a roaring lion, but he wants to be your friend. He wants you to think, that, how, many times, how many times has this run through your mind? 
It's not that bad. Oh, it's, it's only a 15. Surely it won't impact my children. Oh, it's, 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 just a, it's just a show. It's not going to impact me. I'm just reading the news. All that stuff on the side won't impact me. We let these things into our lives. We are surrounded by the enemy. And, and the truth is, is, is the enemy, Satan, wants to be your friend. He does not come to you looking to, to war. He comes to you wanting to put his arm around you and say, it's okay. It's okay. You think, think of this. Think about uh, in, in Genesis chapter number 3. How did Satan come? He, he came as a serpent. Which looked, I mean, we would, we would recognize a serpent as being something that's not super nice. But he comes as a serpent, and he comes as a friend. He comes bringing a, a good tidings, right? Oh, eat the fruit, it'll be okay. You, you'll be able to understand things like God if you do. He didn't come saying, saying, you know, saying I'm here to destroy you. He came to be a friend. You think of the, the life of, uh, of Joseph. In Joseph's life, he comes and he's at Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife comes, a beautiful woman, wanting to be Joseph's friend, wanting to offer him pleasure, wanting to offer him uh, a, a bit of satisfaction. Didn't, didn't come to destroy him with a sword. Didn't come with the intention of, of ruining his life, but came to be his friend. You think of Noah. Noah, right after the ark and uh, after the flood, he builds a vineyard, right? Surely, not some, surely it's not that bad, right? What, what did Noah do with that vineyard? You guys know the story. He grew grapes. He turned his grapes into wine and he got drunk. He, he ended up ex- exposing himself. You think, well, it's not that bad, right? Gra- surely grapes aren't a bad thing. But can I tell you, Satan will find where your weakness is. And he'll, think, he'll make you think, it's okay. It's okay. Hey, that's what it says here. Look, let us build with you. We're, hey, hey, we're for you. We're not against you. It says, now when the adversaries of Judah, now the adversaries of Judah come to the children of Israel and they say, hey, we're with you. We're, we're on your side. We're, we're a, part of, a part of your family. We, we want to worship your God with you. We, we want to build with you. We want to seek your God as you do. We want to sacrifice unto the God of, of the Bible. And they're, they're trying to make allies with their enemy. Why? Because it's far easier to destroy somebody that you're close to. I want, I want to tell you that Satan is coming into your life in ways that we don't even realize. He, he comes... You think, think, think about our nation. And think, think about how our nation, the, the, the United Kingdom, has slipped over the past centuries. Slowly and surely. Why? Because we, that's all right, you know. People, pe- people we welcome that philosophy. The philosophy comes in through literature. You know, we, we, we start reading a few little books and we think, oh, that's not that bad. Surely that's not going to affect me. The philosophy comes in through the movies that we watch, the television shows that we watch. Surely that's not that bad. It's not going to destroy us. Through the news that we read. And all the while, Satan is becoming our friend. Things, things that we wouldn't, a hundred years ago, people wouldn't have, wouldn't have dreamed of looking at. Today we look at openly. You drive down the streets and you, you can see the wickedness on the, on the 
advertisements all around us. Why? Because our nation has made friends with the enemy. We've welcomed it. And you think of the LGBT and, and the liberty they have in our, in our nation today. Why? Because we thought, that's yeah, not that bad. We, we, won't, we, won't, we don't want to judge them. They're, they're just struggling with a little sin, but, but surely they can be allowed. There are some churches even in this city that allow that openly into their church. Why? Ah, it's our friend. It's not the enemy. Why? Because the enemy wants to be your friend. The, the cursing on, on television that we watch. No, no wonder our children grow up to be filthy, rotten sinners. We're, we're, we're letting them be taught by a television. We're letting them be fed by the wickedness of this world. I wonder, what are we doing about it? That's what the, notice what it says. And they came to Zerubbabel, verse number 2, and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do. And we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Asher, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel, verse number 3, and Jeshua, and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, You have nothing to do with us. Now, here's the right response. Recognize the enemy and say, No way. What's the Bible say? Resist the devil. Resist. When you recognize that the enemy is in your life, then resist him. Don't let it in. The Bible says keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. See where the enemy's coming at you. Notice what it says. The, the third thing. We have an enemy... The enemy desires to be our friend. Thirdly, the enemy will do anything to weaken your work. Notice what it says there. Verse number 4, Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purposes. All the days of Cyrus king of Persia, even unto the reign of Darius king of Persia. Think of that. They could not conquer them. They, they would not be their friends. They said, we don't, we don't want to have anything to do with you. You will not be our friends. You will not build this temple with us. We are going to resist you. And so what did they do? Then the people of the land weakened their hands. How? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly, but it says this. They troubled them in their building and they hired counselors. They hired uh, you know, free agents to come against them and to hinder their work. The people who would maybe, maybe steal away a bit of their, their supplies in building, who would, who would steal away a bit of their food, maybe burn up some fields while they're trying to labor. Anything they could do to weaken the work of God. The enemy, if, if, if you will not let the enemy into your life, if you say, I'm, I'm not going to make friends of you, then he will do everything he can to stop you. I wonder how many Sunday mornings you've woken up and you found something not right. Every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, your car is fine. Sunday morning you wake up, nothing. Why? Because Satan will do anything to weaken your hands. Get out the jumper cables, we'll stop. How, how many times have you thought, man, I don't want to deal with this today. We'll just stay home and watch, watch it on the live stream. You wake up in the morning and, and, and your, your, your child has a bloody nose. Never has your child had a bloody nose before, but come Sunday morning he does. Why? Anything to weaken your hands. Anything to stop you. Any distraction, any, any discouragement, any desire to draw you away. It's like our pastor spoke of this morning. Why is it that, that 
Only it seems to be on Sundays that all sporting events are played. Anything to draw you away from what God is doing. Why? Because the enemy desires to destroy. And the enemy will do whatever he can to hinder the work. It says he, he frust, to frustrate their purpose. How many Sunday mornings have you woke up and you've gotten into an argument with your spouse? Your spouse has frustrated you. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your, your spouse is not the enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Think of that. The enemy will do anything he can to destroy you and to keep you from the work of God. I just, I just use Sunday morning as an example. But, but what about just, a, I can't tell you how many mornings I've woken up and, and I, I thought, I'm going to sit down and read my Bible this morning. Just for a little bit. But then, but then this comes. The children need cereal. and the, You go to the cereal and you open the fridge and, and the milk is turned sour. And you say, I can't use that milk. You've got to go to the shop and get milk. And, and all the time you're thinking, man, I, wanna, I just want to read the Word of God. I just want to spend time with the, the Lord. And you come back and you, you put the milk in the cereal. And then, and then Adele spills the cereal everywhere. And then you've got to wipe up all the cereal. And you've got to sweep it up. And, and then you're worried about the carpet because it's going to go sour. And all the while you're thinking, man, I, just, I want one moment to, to read the Word of God. And, and then something happens. The neighbor's alarm's going off. And your wife wants you to go figure out why the neighbor alarm's going off and it's been going off for 30 minutes. You go knock on the neighbor's door and the neighbor's burnt their toast and next thing you know, it's, it's 9 o'clock and you've got to go to work. And you think, man, I, I didn't spend any time with the Lord this morning because Satan has done everything he can to weaken your hands. Can I tell you, that's going to come. That's going to come. The enemy is going to come to weaken your hands. And it's, he's going to be successful. You think of the, the life of, of Job. You think of how, how, Satan, how Satan weakened the hands of Job. Satan first came to him and, he, and he, took, he took his property, he took his fields, he took his family from him. He took all of that and, and, and Job, Job's hands were weakened. I mean, honestly, could you imagine losing all of your children in one day? Could you imagine losing all of your income, all of your fields, all of your cattle, everything that you own in one day? Could you imagine uh, all the, the, the wicked things, all of your, your uh, servants turning their back on you all in one day? But Job, Job keeps his head up. He says, I'm going to serve the Lord, right? That's all. I mean, can I tell you, when, when Satan weakens your hands, the, the place to turn is right here. Turn to the Lord. Keep your faith in God. Earnestly. The Bible says that we're more than conquerors. How? Through Christ. If you're going to conquer, you will only conquer through Christ. If you're going to overcome the, the weakening uh, powers of Satan, it will only be through Christ. Uh, Job, the, the, Satan goes back to God and, and God says to him, see Satan, you didn't, you didn't get Job down. Job's still good. And, and, and Job says, well, or, or Satan says, well, you didn't let me touch him. And so God uh, lets him touch him and he, he gets boils and the most wicked of him, he's scraping literally with a, a, a piece of clay, scraping the boils, the pus out of his arms. And his whole life is falling apart out around him. His hands are weakened. But Job would not. His own wife says, forsake God and die. His spouse turns on him. But Job keeps his trust in God. He keeps his faith. And the, the, I'll just say that to say like, 
Satan's coming to destroy you, so don't be surprised when he shows up. Stop. Why, why is it when he, oh, Satan's come at me? Yeah, you have an enemy. Why, why does that shock you? Why does that shock us? We're, we're a part of a church that's trying to do something for the Lord. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, that we're a part of a, a church, a local church that is, is, is impacting foreign nations? Think of that. We, we just sent one of our deacons to go live in Zimbabwe. Why is it shocking to us then when he comes at your door and tries to destroy you? We, we have a pastor who's ministering up and down the country. Why does it shock you when he tries to distract and discourage your soul? Anything he can to, to get at this church. We're, we're a body of believers, right? With hands and feet and arms. and We work together as one church, as one body, to move forward to advance for the glory of God. Why does it shock us when the enemy comes? There is an enemy. Let us, let us stop acting like we're not at war. We're at war. And, and you, you, I don't know if you know much about war. I don't. But I do know something. That there is this state of war when, when, when the nations are declared at total war, right? All out war. When, when the factory lines stop producing uh, trousers for normal people and all the trousers they produce are for the soldiers. When they stop producing... Uh, I don't know if you know much about U.S. history, but they say that in, in the United States... Uh, I think it was not Henry Ford, but his son said that the, the Ford Motor Company, now you guys might take offense to this being British, but he said that the Ford Motor Company won World War II because their factory, their assembly lines produced so much for the, for the military efforts that he said that. You think of that, that's all out war. But that's how we ought to be living because in the spiritual life, we are at all out war. Can I tell you, when you wake up tomorrow morning, you're in the trenches. Don't be surprised. Like, get, get, get on your walkie-talkie and spend some time speaking to God first thing in the morning. Get, 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 get your sword out. Spend some time training in your sword tomorrow morning. Why? Because there is no doubt as you go out into the highways and hedges, as you go out into the streets and lanes tomorrow, as you go to work, whatever you're doing, that the enemy is going to attack you. And he's attacking you for one purpose. And this is the fourth and final point. The reason he's coming to attack you is because of what it says in verse number 23. Now, now there's a, in verse number 7 to verse number 22, there's a, a series of letters that go back and forth. I encourage you to read that for the sake of time. Notice what it says in verse number 23. Now when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rahum and Shimshai the scribe to their companions that went up in Jerusalem under the Jews, and notice this, and made them to cease by force and power. Then ceased, then stopped the work of the house of God which is in Jerusalem. You know what Satan's desire is? It is to stop the work of God. And Satan will do whatever he can to do so. Do you realize that it tells us in verse number uh, five and six there, that they weakened the hands all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia. So King Cyrus was the one who sent the children of Israel back. Five thirty six, right? He sends the children of of Israel back, and it says this even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And then it says this, and in the reign of Ahasuerus, 
And then in verse number 7, and in the days of Artaxerxes. What's that show us? That a lot of time has elapsed. And in fact, it's about 70 years pass from when the children of Israel returned to Jerusalem until King Artaxerxes stops the work. What's that, what's that show us? It shows us that Satan will keep attacking you. Why, why do you think... I, I heard of a man just not too long ago, 70 years old, he and his wife had been married almost 50 years, filing for divorce. Why? Because Satan will do anything, no matter how long it takes him, to stop the work of God. And he, he will come at this church. He will come at your life again and again and again and again until he can find a little foothold. Until he can find a, a little place to get his fingers in to destroy your life. You, you, hear, you hear stories about people who, who live for a long time and then at the end of their life they destroy it. Think, think of, how, how many of you have ever heard of Ravi Zacharias? A, a man whose, whose mind was, was, the Lord had gifted him. He was an apologist. He could defend the faith. But at the end of his life, Satan got a foothold and he gave his life over to adultery. You think of that. A man in his 70s. A man who had in many ways impacted the world. And at the end of his life, Satan kept walking by until he could find that one day that the door was open and the work of the Lord ceased. That's what Satan wants to do. We think, we think of this church. Wow, thir- 13, 14 years. We've, we're growing. We're seeing the Lord do mighty things. Well, Satan would love to stop the work of God here. And, and if he can get a foothold in just one person, he could pull down the whole church if we're not careful. The work of the Lord ceased. Imagine what that... What, what a frightful day that was. To realize that, that, that the temple would, would stop to be built. The, the, then see, verse number 24, the work of the house of God which is at Jerusalem. The point is this. Satan is coming to destroy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But Satan has coming to destroy. We have a very real enemy. We know that the victory is in Christ. We know that the victory is obtained by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that if we are going to be more than conquerors, we will not do it alone. But all, all I'm trying to say tonight is to warn us that the enemy is coming seeking whom He may devour. And I hope you're aware of that. And I hope you'll live like all of life is war. Because it is. Gird up your loins. Put on your armor. Put on the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit and the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. And get ready! Because as you go out those doors, you're heading out into the battle zone. It's good to be in the command center where it's safe. But as you head out those doors... The enemy is coming to destroy. Those are the word of prayer. And then we'll sing our final hymn and be dismissed. Lord, we, we thank this Scripture, Lord. And I, I, I pray and ask that Thy Word would speak to us beyond what I've said, Lord.
I ask that you would help us tonight to be aware of, of what's been uh, revealed to us in the Scriptures. Lord, may Thy Word speak to us, we pray. Help us to battle against Satan, I pray. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen.